Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? I made it clear that my intention was to play, and my intention was to play for the New York Jets. Rodgers going for it all, looking to bring it open. He's got it! Lazard! Gonna go! Touchdown! Rodgers snaps it quick, scrambles to his right, pumps and runs, and Rodgers is inside the pylon! Allen has time. Intercepted! Sauce Gardner's got it, breaking away, Garrett Wilson, Wilson a big play downfield, Allen tripped up, he could not get past Jermaine Johnson, oh look at the speed of Brees Hall, he's done it again, Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown, and he's sacked again by Quinton Williams, what a beast, number 95 for the Jets, listen, This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time to talk about the breaking news surrounding the New York Jets and tackle Makai Becton in addition to some other stories. So for that, we bring in our friend who is the editor over at JetNation.com, Mr. Glenn Naughton. Glenn, what's up, brother? Uh, Not a whole lot. Just uh, finally, finally letting the dust settle after this draft and and getting to watch a little film on some of these UDFAs Mm -hmm. for those that we can find anyway. As I said on our show the other night, I question whether or not some of these schools exist. But uh, yeah, getting uh, getting into these UDFAs and and ready for the next stage of the offseason. Let's talk about the Makai Becton news because it was expected that the Jets would decline the fifth year option for Makai Becton. And it's not because Makai Becton is a bad player. It's that he's missed the last two years. And if they picked up that option, it's $13.5 million guaranteed. If they didn't pick the option up but wanted to keep him at the end of the year, they could transition tag him or franchise tag him. These numbers could move a little bit. But at the moment, a transition tag, which means that another team could sign Becton but the Jets would have the right to match, would be $16.5 million, so only $3 million more than the fifth-year option. And the franchise tag would be just north of $18 million, so only about $5 million more than the fifth-year option. And it made sense for the Jets to do this because once you pick up that fifth-year option, that money is fully guaranteed. This way, if Makai Becton gets hurt again or has a bad year, the Jets are not on the hook next season. But if he does well, they could transition tag him, giving them the right to match anything for only $3 million more Or they can exclusive rights tag him with the franchise tag. And then that way he would get $5 million more, but nobody else could negotiate with him. Either way, the risk far outweighed the reward here, considering the very slight difference between the numbers that you'd have to pay out on those tags 
and the guaranteed money you'd have to shell out now. The injury hedge was the smart play to go. Now, I'm sure the Jets would love to see Beckton have a great season, and for them to have to tag him if they can't get him signed, that would be the optimal outcome here. They don't want it to be a situation where the risk they took paid off and they escaped paying out $13.5 million next year because they want Becton to be their long-term answer at tackle. But given the situation, this was really the only decision they can make. Yeah, I completely understand that, you know, this, the, why they went that route. I was I was of the mind, I expected them to, de- to decline it, but if they had picked it up, I wouldn't have hated that either. I know that, you know, a lot of people sort of couldn't imagine that happening, and I get where they're coming from. My thought process was, I know if they pick this thing up, it's because the docs have taken a look at his knee and give him, given him the all clear. We know that, yes, he has missed two years. Yes, he has had two separate injuries, but um, if you recall, the second injury was directly related to the first injury. And um, it was at, it was what was it? Uh, NFL doc on Twitter said prior to the injury, or it may have been as soon as Becton was hurt before there were any tests out or anything. He predicted what that injury would have been. So I guess it was a predictable follow on injury. And if the, if the docs had said that's all cleared up, everything's healed up. And he's dropped. I mean, to me, eyeballing it, he looks like he's dropped 50, 60 pounds. If they said the weight's good, the knee is healthy. And the Jets said, you know what, let's, let's avoid or let, let's possibly save some money down the road toward the cap. I would have completely understood. I don't know that everybody would have. But I also understand not picking it up because, I mean, let's see the guy play a full season before you, uh, before you hand him that type of money. Let's go through the list of players who had their fifth-year options declined and the ones who had them picked up. We'll start with the ones that were declined. Chase Young, the number two overall pick in the draft in 2020. That's a stunner, not based on what happened. We were expecting this based on what happened. I'm saying it's a stunner considering how highly thought of he was as a prospect coming out of Ohio State. A lot of people thought he was a generational-type edge prospect. Injuries have really hampered him. It hasn't worked out to this point, so he'll have to sing for his supper in a contract year now for Washington. Isaiah Simmons, a guy who is thought to be a tweener, but a very special player who could sort of be a Swiss Army knife of sorts. He hasn't quite lived up to the billing in Carolina, so his option has been declined. C.J. Henderson, who's already been moved once, the cornerback, he had his fifth-year option declined. Javon Kinlaw, who was the 14th pick in that draft, he was supposed to be the replacement for DeForest Buckner. Buckner traded to the Colts for that pick. Buckner has had some injury issues, but he's been outstanding when he's been on the field for the Colts. I know the idea there with the 49ers was to try and get a cheap young replacement for Buckner, who was in line for a massive contract, which he did get with the Colts. Unfortunately, Kinlaw has just not performed there. Austin Jackson, who I did not like much at all coming out of USC, the tackle. He was the 18th pick overall by the Miami Dolphins. He's very much been underwhelming in Miami, so he had his fifth-year option decline. Speaking of underwhelming, Kalevon Chason, the edge rusher who wound up on the Jacksonville Jaguars, never really understood that pick. Didn't get the hype with him either. There just wasn't a lot of production. And if you watch this tape, the ceiling didn't really look that high, so I was kind of confused why everybody was so high on him. He will not have his fifth-year option picked up. The pick after that, and this is one that has taken on a life of its own now, Jalen Ragor, who went number 21 to the Eagles right before the Vikings picked Justin Jefferson. That's why it took on a life of its own, because if you've seen that famous video now of everybody celebrating in the Vikings war room, knowing they were going to get Justin Jefferson, you know all about how Ragor went right in front of him. Ragor has already been traded, ironically enough, to the Vikings, and he hasn't been anything close to the value of a first-round pick. So his fifth-year option gets declined. 
Kenneth Murray, another one, very underwhelming. Hasn't been able to put together the type of performance that would merit picking up the fifth-year option, so he's going to have to play for a contract this year. Cesar Ruiz, who I really liked. I thought he was going to be a really good player out of mm-hmm. Michigan in the center. He has been very underwhelming for the Saints, so he didn't have his fifth-year option picked up. Jordan Brooks didn't have his fifth-year option picked up. He was picked at number 27. Patrick Queen, the linebacker for the Ravens, another player. Just hasn't been good enough to justify picking up that fifth-year option. The 30th pick in that draft, Noah, it starts with an I. I'm not going to embarrass myself by trying to pronounce it. He had his option declined. And finally, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had his option declined. He was the final pick in that draft. A lot of people gave the Chiefs flack for taking a running back at number 32. And it does sort of look silly now, not necessarily because they took a running back at 32, but because they got a much better running back a couple of years later in the seventh round. Just goes to show you how strange that position is when it comes to translation for the NFL. So, Glenn, your thoughts on the options that were declined before we get on to the ones that were picked up? Yeah, nothing that was really all that surprising, right? I mean, Chase Young was probably the biggest name, the one that surprised the most people. But as you said, the injuries were mounting with him and uh, kind of similar to Becton, right? You're not going to put pay that kind of money for a guy who's missed his money. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, he's had, he's had several different injuries, um, which kind of brings into question, you know, you say, is this guy just built for the pro level? Um, when you suffer that many injuries, Isaiah Simmons, I do recall him coming out and, and that, that was the talk, right? He was going to be the guy you can move all around the field. He's going to be able to do anything you ask him to, um, you know, difference maker on defense. And that hasn't panned out. Austin Jackson, you mentioned being underwhelmed by him. I say all the time, um, I can't stand when people, you know, uh, give a thumbs up or thumbs down to a player after watching, like people will watch a guy for one game and be like, oh, this guy's terrible. Um, Austin Jackson, I won't say I wrote him off after one game, and I'm talking college when I was watching him pre-draft, but I, I forget who the opponent was, but I, the first game I watched him and I was like, how is this guy getting first round hype? Like, I just, I just didn't see it. And he, he was getting pushed around and you know, that, like I said, one game, I was like, I'm almost out on this guy, but let's watch a little more. Um, and then watch a couple more games. And I was like, I just don't get it. I don't. And you know, I, I say all the time, right? I'm a fan. I don't pretend to be a scout and executive. Like I'm just a fan. But as a fan, I'm looking at him and I'm going, clearly I'm missing something because this does not look like an elite or first round type player to me. Uh, Chase on, you know, out of LSU, thought he was going to be a better player than this. Obviously, he wasn't. And re- it's funny, Rieger, right? Because he's, he's this guy. He's already been traded. He's a bust. And um, just goes to show, man, we were talking recently about what a, this amazing GM that Howie Roseman has become. And he passed on Justin Jefferson to take Jalen Rieger. Um, so guys miss. Teams miss. Um, no matter how good you are. And uh, same with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I liked him a lot. Um, I thought he was going to be better than he has been, and obviously he's been sort of replaced by a seventh-rounder. And Cesar Ruiz is another one. Watched him. I believe he was at the Senior Bowl, if I'm not mistaken, and I thought he looked really good there. And you thought that he was going to be a really strong guy on the interior, and just it just didn't pan out for him either. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for Season 3 of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. 
With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Glenn, when it comes to Howie Roseman, I think one of his biggest strengths is being able to acknowledge when he made a mistake and immediately yep. go out and fix it. Because remember, he messed up with Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson the very next year. Mm-hmm. He made an aggressive move to go up and get Devonta Smith. And then the year after that, he made a big move to go get A.J. Brown. So that, to me, is one of Howie Roseman's biggest strengths, is being willing to admit when he's wrong and go out there and immediately fix the mistake that he made. And he's done that over and over again. And that's why I think the Eagles are in such great shape right now. Only 12 players had their fifth-year option picked up. Joe Burrow, obviously, that's a $30 million option. That's the top guy in terms of the amount of money that he's going to get. Andrew Thomas, the tackle from the Giants. Tua Tagovailoa, we knew about that quite a while ago. The Dolphins exercising his fifth-year option. Justin Herbert had his fifth-year option exercise. Derek Brown, the defensive tackle for the Carolina Panthers. Chedrick Wills, the tackle from the Cleveland Browns. Tristan Wirfs, the third tackle out of the four in this class. He had his option picked up, obviously, by the Tampa Bay Bucks. Jerry Judy, this is interesting. I'm not saying he's not worth it, but he definitely hasn't performed to the level that people were expecting with all the hype coming out of Alabama. He'll get $13 million next year guaranteed by the Broncos. A.J. Terrell, who's turned into one of the best young corners in the league at $12.3 million, that's a no-brainer. CeeDee Lamb, who's turned into one of the best receivers in the league at $17.9 million. Justin Jefferson, you want to talk about one of the best receivers in the league. He might mm-hmm. actually be the best receiver in the league at $19.7 million. And Brandon Ayuk, who has turned into a lethal weapon in San Francisco he's the last guy in this list that had his option picked up two things that stood out to me reading these names off Glenn the first one is that this really was an excellent tackle class because those three guys I mentioned Andrew Thomas Chedrick Wills Tristan Wirfs two of them went ahead of the Jets Wills and Thomas Wirfs went just after the Jets they all had their options picked up and I think we can both agree that if Becton hadn't gotten hurt it would have been a no-brainer to pick his option up as well the reason his option didn't get picked up was for injury not performance so it really shows you that the scouts were on the money when it comes to these tackles on the flip side I think they were completely off on the quarterbacks as this shows because this was thought to be a pretty weak quarterback class Joe Burrow was the top guy but even he was thought of as a very good quarterback prospect but not generational like somebody along the lines of Trevor Lawrence a lot of questions about Tua Tagovailoa. Certainly major questions about Justin Herbert. A lot of people were very confused about the Chargers loving him so much that they would pick him so high. All three of them have turned into arguably top 10 quarterbacks. Certainly Herbert and Burrow are. I would argue Herbert and Burrow are top five quarterbacks. And Tua, when healthy, is probably a top 10 quarterback. So very interesting how this turned out. But all three of the quarterbacks have their options picked up, and three of the four offensive tackles had theirs picked up. The only one was Becton, and of course, that was because of injuries, not performance. Yeah, Becton, you know, as we said, and, and I've gotten into back and forth with people with people on Twitter. Um, I, I think there are, uh, you know, a small segment of the fan base, but I think they're so resentful toward Becton over the injuries that they forget how good he was. Um, I, and, you know... I, I'm not saying Makai Becton was perfect as a rookie, but Makai Becton as a rookie, when you watch that film, 
he he throws guys around the field like I don't I don't think I've ever seen another player do that. And I'm not being hyperbolic. Like he's literally launching guys off the screen. And he's not doing it every now and then. Like a couple times a game, you can count on him to take somebody off their feet and remove them from the play. And it's just it's unbelievable. And like I look at that and I'm like, if this guy stays healthy and he keeps doing things like that, that's a Hall of Fame player right there. It's a matter of him staying healthy. Um, and when I there have been so many times where I compliment him on Twitter and people are like, oh, he's he's lazy and he can't stay on the field. Listen, that's that's a different conversation. I'm just saying you watch you watch him at his best as a rookie. And we you know, we all agreed the consensus on Becton coming out was that he was going to take a couple years because coming from Louisville and the past sets and all that. And yeah, he, he had some hiccups as a rookie, of course. But when he was good, he was as good as anybody. Um, and. To, I don't know why it's a big deal for some people to acknowledge that. So he 100%, you would expect he'd be getting that, you know, he would have had his option exercise if that was the case. And, uh, you know, as far as far as the quarterbacks, it's, it's hilarious, right? Because every year we hear it's either a good quarterback class or a bad quarterback class. And it was supposed to be the quarterback of, you know, the quarterback class of a lifetime when it was Darnold and Rosen and Baker and, you know, and, and that class has been largely a bust. But then Burrow was, uh, yeah, he was the best guy. But, I mean, I remember when when everybody started to downplay uh, Justin Herbert, uh, you know, leading up to the draft. And I think I remember, like, Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, those guys, they were saying that, like, they, it, he, the people, like, they had, they had Herbert fatigue. Like, because he was talking about so much the year before that people just got tired of talking about him. They started downgrading him, uh, you know, pu- again, publicly, the, the, the prognosticators and all that. But that class has been many times better than the one that came before it that was supposed to be, you know, it was supposed to mirror the 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 Kelly Elway Marino class. Glenn, as far as the offensive line goes, we know that the Jets declined the fifth year option of Makai Becton, but he's still in line to start as long as he stays healthy. The Jets did make a depth move, though, bringing in Billy Turner, who has experience playing tackle and guard, started 43 games with the Packers from 2019 to 2021, seven games with the Broncos in 2022, so you know what that means. He's very well acquainted with Aaron Rodgers, who has spoken very highly of him repeatedly over the last few years, and Nathaniel Hackett, who had him in Green Bay and Denver, so he comes in here to be depth. The good news is a lot of experience, some chemistry with Rodgers, and he knows Nathaniel Hackett's system. The bad news, it's not the best player in the world. PFF grade of 56.3, which ranked him 70th out of 81 qualified tackles last season before he got injured. And then let's talk about this from my friend Ryan Schlipp over at the Packernet podcast. He had this written up. In 2021, Turner led the entire offensive line of the Packers in pressures given up, gave up two more pressures than Royce, who started three more games and had 130 more pass-blocking snaps. In 2020, Billy Turner led the entire offensive line in pressures allowed, gave up 30. The next highest was Lucas Patrick with 21. In 2019, Billy Turner led the entire offensive line in pressures given up. He gave up 52 pressures. Second was 37. To make matters worse, he was quite terrible in the postseason in 2019. The Packers gave up two sacks in their loss to the 49ers. If you guessed that both of those sacks were given up by Billy Turner, congratulations, you were correct. In 2020, in their loss to Tampa, Turner tied for the most pressures given up with four and also tied for the most sacks given up with two once again. Strangely, in 2021, the game he gets the most flack for when they moved him to left tackle, it was the only game where he wasn't the biggest liability on the offensive line, only coming in third in pressures given up with two. 
So the record here is clear. Rodgers likes him. Hackett likes him. Knows the system. But he's really not that good. And if he ends up having a start, the Jets are in some trouble. But as far as depth goes, considering what's available at this point, they weren't going to be able to go out there and get some sort of all-pro caliber offensive lineman at this stage of the game. And so getting Billy Turner, a guy who's at least familiar with what the Jets are trying to do, seems like a sensible move. Now, here's where the offensive line sits as of this moment. At tackle, Dwayne Brown, Makai Becton, Carter Warren, Max Mitchell, Billy Turner, Cedric Abuhe. Interior linemen, Lakin Tomlinson, Elijah Vera Tucker, Connor McGovern, Joe Tipman, Wes Schweitzer, and Tristan Colon. So they have 12 NFL offensive linemen that either have experience or are well thought of draft picks in the case of Carter Warren. Not all of these guys are going to make the team, but I do think that Billy Turner has a good chance to make it, again, considering his experience at multiple positions, which gives him flexibility and the trust that both Nathaniel Hackett and Aaron Rodgers have in him. So the Billy Turner move comes, barring something unforeseen. The Jets are probably done at offensive line, and now we see where everybody shakes out once practices start, training camp gets going, because I don't think that the Jets are going to keep all 12 of those guys. Yeah, the uh, the O-line numbers are big. I'm a little bit surprised. And, you know, listen, like it, it, just like we say with the draft, right, when guys fall, there might be something we don't know um, behind the scenes. Same thing with free agents. When teams don't go after guys that seem to make sense, um, I understand that the tackle and guard versatility, which is great, but if you're not good, does that really? How much does that really help? Like, how much are you willing to give up in quality of play in order to gain versatility? Um, I've been saying for a couple months now. I don't know why they didn't make a run at Cam Fleming. He played under Hackett last season in Denver as well. Watched a little bit of film on him right right after uh, or right when free agency was getting underway, and I thought he looked solid. Not great. Um, you know, I, I checked his PFF grades, and he was like low seventies in pass and run block. So it's like, all right, here's a guy or like high sixties, I the high sixties, low seventies, somewhere in there. Um, but certainly better grades than Turner. And I thought he looked like a better player. And here we are, you know, a couple months later, Cam Fleming, still a free agent, plays the left side, plays the right side. Don't think he's played any guard. Um, it's been a while since I looked into him, so I'm not hundred percent sure. But I just remember thinking, okay, here's a guy with tackle flexibility who's played in the system, started 15, 16 games last year, earned decent grades. Maybe you go get him. He sat out there this whole time. They don't get him. He's still out there. And uh, and you sign Turner, who, like I said, is I don't think is as good a player. But uh, the Jets did what they did. And now in terms of the, the offensive line as a whole, some of these guys they signed might not even make the roster. I mean, in terms of like, the, you know, like you sign Schweitzer, you, you sign Cologne, you figure out, well, that's one of those guys who will be – will be Feeney's replacement, um, but maybe not so. Maybe if Fleming can play guard and, and you know, of course, you, McGovern can play guard if need be, played right guard with the Broncos. I think that the the depth on this O-line right now is fantastic. It's all down to uh, Mekhi Becton's health, really. Um, even Carter Warren, who I've said probably, I don't think he'll, st- I don't think he'll beat out Dwayne Brown, but I think if you had to play him in a big spot, I, I would trust him as a pass blocker, um, which is really the key at this point with Aaron Rodgers behind center. But, uh, Listen, they got a lot of names, a lot of bodies, a lot of experienced guys, a lot of versatility. So you got to like it. It's all, like I said, it's all just up to health at this point. Last order of business, Glenn, Aaron Rodgers saying and doing all the right things so far. He's been showing up at the voluntary OTAs, which a lot of Packers fans have noted he had stopped doing with the Packers the last couple of years, which I think really illustrates the deterioration in trust between Rodgers and the guys at the top, namely Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekunst, and Mark Murphy, the team president. 
Earlier this week, here's what Rodgers had to say when asked about Zach Wilson. I think being around me and seeing how I go about my business, seeing how I lead, how I interact with the guys, I think there's some things he can pick up from that. Part of my opportunity here is to be a great mentor to him and to teach him fundamental stuff to allow him to be around me and through osmosis, just pick up some things that can help him in his career. That's what happened to me being around Brett Favre. He also added... I love Zach. I really do. I feel like part of my role here is to help him get his confidence back. Speaking of helping guys get their confidence back or team bonding, at least Aaron Rodgers seen a couple of days ago at a Ranger game at Madison Square Garden sitting with new teammate Brees Hall and longtime teammate Alan Lazard. And then today, Aaron Rodgers made appearance on the Pat McAfee show talked about being with the Jets so far quote it's been a dream I've been pinching myself every day if you are a Jets fan hearing Aaron Rodgers say that about being a Jet is something else wherever you fall on anything involving Aaron Rodgers Rodgers said he'll be back at Madison Square Garden tonight for the Heat Knicks game with Sauce Gardner so this is already his third game at MSG and now he's going with a different teammate he went before with Brees Hall and Alan Lazard. Now it'll be Sauce Gardner. Aaron Rodgers asked about working with Garrett Wilson. Quote, he's a talented guy. I threw him a pass today and just kind of turned and was like, wow. And then he went on to compare him to Devontae Adams, which again, music to a Jets fan's ears. We already know how talented Garrett Wilson is, but Devontae Adams is going to the Hall of Fame. So if Garrett Wilson is going to be the Jets version of Devontae Adams for Aaron Rodgers, that is an enormous win for the Jet organization and for Rodgers too. By the way, speaking of Rodgers, the Packers, the Jets and all of that, the Packers were expected to pick up the fifth-year option of Jordan Love. You may have noticed Glenn and I didn't bring up Jordan Love before, either on the exercised or decline list. That's because the Packers and Love reached a compromise, and it's kind of interesting. Instead of getting a guaranteed $19.5 million on the fifth-year option, Jordan Love gets $13.5 million guaranteed, but if he hits certain performance levels, he could make up to $22.5 million. So for the Packers, it's a nice hedge. And for Jordan Love, if he believes in himself, and it sure seems like he does, all he has to do is hit those performance levels, and he will get a couple million more dollars than what he would have had guaranteed to him by the fifth-year option. So... Glenn, your thoughts on everything going on with Aaron Rodgers, hanging out with teammates, going to OTAs, talking about Garrett Wilson and how good he thinks Garrett Wilson could be, the comments about Zach Wilson and how he believes it's partially his job to help Zach Wilson reach his ceiling, which, by the way, is not anything that he ever said about Jordan Love, and it's certainly nothing that Brett Favre said about him when they were together. I think obviously part of the difference is Rodgers comes into this situation, A, already being very good friends with Zach Wilson and a bit of a mentor to him anyway, and B, knowing that he's only going to be here for a few years. That's the expectation from the get-go. And so he realizes that he's here not just to try and win in the here and now, but to help his friend become the best quarterback he can be. With Jordan Love, it was different. Love was someone he didn't know who the Packers had drafted to replace him, so there was a much different feeling. And then obviously, as far as Jordan Love, the gamble that both sides took there, the Packers potentially paying a few more million dollars, but Jordan Love potentially getting a few more million dollars if he ends up hitting those performance levels.
Yeah, listen, as, as you said, he's saying all the right things right now. Rodgers seems to be thrilled to be in New York. He's taking it all in. I did see Mekhi Becton tweet, too, that he was going to be at MSG tonight. So I don't know if that's going to be with Aaron Rodgers and company. But, you know, it's great to see him getting out. Great to see him engaging with his teammates. And, and I'd love to know, like, you know, it's one of those things you don't you never really get the true story unless he writes a book one day. But, you know, what was there a moment? Was there an incident? You know, why did he get to that point where he was like, you know what? I'm just not showing up anymore with the Packers. You know, yeah, there was clearly some friction. You know, we heard that in the, uh, the when he did some of his pressers last year. He was very candid about, you know, we need, we need to simplify the offense and stop making it so much so hard for guys. Um, so there was some clearly some philosophical differences. But he's he as you said, he's saying and doing all the right things right now. Um, you could, you know, you're spot on with the assessment of being a mentor to Zach Wilson. I've said the same in years past. I actually, I think I said the same thing to, to somebody when the, when the Jets added Flacco a couple years ago. Oh, and they said, oh, he's going to be a distraction. I said, look, these, you know, these guys know Aaron Rodgers knows Zach Wilson isn't a threat to his job. Like this is a completely different ball game than being entrenched as a starter somewhere where you feel like you've still got five, six years left in you and they go out and draft your replacement. That's a whole different ball game from you sign with a team where you're going to play two, maybe three, um, you, you know, maybe three years. And let's face it, Zach Wilson is many years away from being anywhere near, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers being anything Aaron Rodgers has to worry about. So, as you said, they've they've spoken before. Wilson's spoken highly of Rodgers, the way he admired him growing up. They, you know, seem to create a little bond when the Jets and when the Jets went out to Green Bay to to practice with them a couple of years ago. And now he comes in and again, mentors a young kid who isn't a threat to his job, who he doesn't really have an issue with. And he's not in a place where he's been the guy for, you know, nearly two decades and feeling like someone's coming in to take his job. So there's really not I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be receptive to being a mentor. And if Zach Wilson can can get it together and listen, I've the, the thing with Zach, I've been highly highly critical of him because I feel it's deserved. Even though I was, I argued back and forth with people. He was the guy I preferred in the draft, but at some point Zach Wilson got broken and he went from being from having unbelievable accuracy to not being able to complete a screen pass. So I said, God, I, months ago when you know when the i think the season was still in progress and someone floated the idea oh aaron Rodgers might might be on the move and i thought you know the jets would never get Rodgers, but that might be the single best scenario for zach wilson because if there's anyone that he might be willing to say you know what i just need to sit down shut up and listen if there's anyone he's going to do that with it's going to be aaron Rodgers. so it could turn out to be a plus and if i mean if you're going to try to salvage the guy's career there's no better way to do it than this so it's great that you know you get the feeling Zach's going to listen and Aaron wants to teach so if this doesn't work nothing was going to with Zach Wilson Glenn Naughton, the editor over at JetNation.com. Thanks so much for coming on and talking about the breaking news of Mekhi Becton's fifth-year option being declined, the Jets signing Billy Turner, and all the latest comments and actions from Aaron Rodgers with me. Really appreciate it. For those that want to check out everything you're doing over at JetNation.com, what do you got cooking over there, and how can people follow you on social media? I understand you changed your handle on Twitter, Glenn. That's big news. I'll tell you what, I've, I think I tried to change it a few years ago and I couldn't figure it out. And, you know, God knows it took me more than a minute. So I lost my patience and just thought, well, I guess you can't change your handle. And then a, a very good friend of mine who I was talking to the other day and I said, man, I wish I could change my Twitter handle. He was like, hey, dummy, just change it. Um, and turns out you can. And and that friend was Scott Mason. He, no, he didn't say you're a dummy, but he was like, hey, I'm pretty sure you can do that, Glenn. And I tried today. And so, yes, 
The Twitter handle now is at JN Radio underscore Glenn. That's Glenn with two N's. And you can check us out at JetNation.com, most active independent Jets message board on the web. We, uh, the, we've got draft forums that are up and running all year round. Of course, the Jets forum. The off-topic forum is a pretty good time, too. Anything you want to bring up, well, just about anything you want to bring up. Um, good time had by all. Check it out. And you can follow my partner from Jet Nation Radio, Dylan Terriman, at D Terriman. And myself and Dylan go live Thursday nights at 6.30 and Fridays at 6.30, 7 o'clock, depending on the day. Uh, myself and Chris Schubert from the Draft Network uh, talk Jets and talk Draft. Um, and in fact, in about three minutes, I'll be recording a show with him. That one will not be live, but it will be up soon. Can confirm that I did tell Glenn he could change his handle. Can also confirm I did not call him a dummy. I would never do such a thing. For anybody that was suspicious that I might have actually said that, I would never tell Glenn he's a dummy. But it is nice to see that he changed his handle because he'd been wanting to do it for a while. But as you said, Glenn, and I understand, he got frustrated. That happens to me all the time. If I can't get something done in 30 seconds, I just move on to something yep. else. But glad to see you have that change. So make sure that you follow Glenn on Twitter. Read everything he's got going on at JetNation.com and check out JetNation Radio. Check out everything we've got going over at PlayLikeJet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The thunder from down under is on fire right now, just cooking up videos on our YouTube channel. He's got a bunch of videos on the draft picks the Jets just made, and there's going to be so much more coming your way. So make sure you're watching those videos and subscribe to our channel if you haven't already, youtube.com slash playlikeajet. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-public.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quentin Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies, it's all there, tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-public.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that you know Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. 
Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.